episode is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, except they're far better for you. Just one bar has between 130 and 180 calories, 19 grams of protein, and between 3 and 7 grams of sugar. And you can capitalize on this by using our code BIGSHOTS, all one word, for your next Built Bar purchase to get 10% off. Built Bar, join the team. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hernition. I'm joined this week, or today, I guess. We already did one earlier. This is already off to a flying start. Whatever. We, I am joined today by a good friend of mine. He works over at PFN, ACC Network, just about everywhere you can think of. It's Nick Fairbaugh. Nick, how are you doing today, man? Doing really well, Mike. How are you doing today, brother? Oh, it's been a day and a half. It's been a day and a half. But you know what? I'm glad to just kind of unwind and get to talk about some some prospects with someone else. It's just been great. I've been grinding away on these NFL uh, articles. Uh, so to talk more college guys is, is fantastic. So the idea behind this this uh, this podcast episode is a bit of an inside joke with, with Nick and, and myself. Uh, we were both on uh, the same draft show last year on night one. And whereas I, and the shocker, if you've listened to the podcast or followed my work, was not very high on the Jalen Rager pick. I did have his his number one fan and Nick telling me that he was a stud and he would pound the table. So today we're going to pound the table for some prospects. Um, and then Nick is a Steelers guy. I am an Eagles guy. If we got some time, we'll just kind of, you know, where our dream guys for our uh, favorite teams would go. So Nick, since you are our guest, why don't I let you pound the table for your first player? Okay, my first player, I'll go running back here because I think he's not getting enough attention. Um, I'll pound the table all day for Khalil Herbert. Out of yes, I like that. Love Khalil Herbert. Um, he's just a guy that he, he has the speed, but you look at his athleticism, it's all around athleticism, super quick, very fluid. He's got that one cut ability where if he gets vertical, he can hit the gas pedal and explode. He's got great explosiveness. He's got some of the great best vision, I think, in the class. His processing, especially up to the second level, setting up linebackers, working off his blockers is phenomenal. And I think he's he's this guy that, you know, can take the home run. He can run through a guy. He can, he can juke him out. He's kind of this very diverse guy in terms of how he wins in space. And I really like that ability. It's it's not one-dimensional. He can win in short areas. He can win in the open field. He's got very, very good vision in the open field. I think he's got pretty solid hands, too. And I saw at the senior bowl on tape, at the very least, that guy was just really, really fighting. He's Again, he's like 5'9", like two, 205, I think. At least that's what VT has him listed as. And, and Herbert is just a guy that fights his butt off in – pass pro and and that's obviously something i think he can be a three down back i think he can start right away he's pro he's my choice for the guy that gets drafted you know i don't know round four day three i guess uh, and and he'll step in right away and people are going to be like how the heck did this guy fall this fall oh i it was Devin that got me started on khalil herbert i was obviously watching a very different virginia tech prospect from day one my guy i've been pounding the table since uh may in that offense is uh is well it's Christian Darasaw. So I think, I think I, I kind of hit on that one, probably going to go top 15 or so, but that's just too easy. Uh, but yeah, I, I big fan of Khalil Herbert. It's, it's ridiculous to think that Kansas let him slip through their fingers because they want, they had him and Puka Williams at the same time and couldn't do anything with either of them. What a sad program. Shout out to our guy, Thor, poor Thor. He's going through <laughs> it. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to stick with running backs as well. Uh, this is a guy that kind of like with you and Herbert, I don't think he's getting anywhere near as much hype as he should. Um, I have him as my running back for it's Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon state. Kind of like what you said with Herbert, you know, has that three down ability. I think kind of, you know, we, we see a lot of the same things with, with these two players. Uh, the thing is, I think the highest I've seen Jefferson is in like someone's like top 150. And I think a lot of it comes down to Oregon state just is not a good prospect, uh, like not a good prospect pool. They haven't put out a lot of talent lately. Um, and he didn't do a whole lot to instill a lot of confidence in off of his 2019 tape. And those that probably haven't gotten around to him in 2020, but again, hits, hits the whole, he's just He's, you know how uh, Doug Martin was the muscle hamster. I kind of get that same vibe from Jamar Jefferson. I think someone's going to get a massive bargain on him in day three. Yeah, I like Jamar Jefferson too. Quick, good feet, 
He's got instincts. Um, I think he's probably best fit. I don't know if he's as, I guess, scheme diverse as probably not. Is. Like, I think, I think Jamar definitely fits better in an outside zone scheme. Um, probably not exclusively. He can run, he can run anything really, but I'm not, I don't think I'm going to throw him in, you know, in trap or in power mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I like Jamar Jefferson again. I think he's, a, I think he's a top 10 back in this class. I do have a few questions about him, how he runs. He runs a little upright. I'm worried he's going to get. I hate, I love. I hate guys that run so upright because yeah, it, it scares you. It's like, are you going to get hurt? Are you going to fumble? And it it scares the heck out of me. Um, but Jamar does that a little bit, and then he doesn't like run behind his pads a ton. But I, I do like what he does, especially uh, in the passing game. He's super dangerous in the open field, super elusive, uh, and you can always have that. He's going to be – if I think he's probably in a role, if you just look at where he can fit, throw him as like a 1B to someone's 1A. Like Oh, yeah. I like, like Put him in San Francisco. Put him there with Moster and uh, Jeff Wilson and Profit. <laughs> yeah, you don't need him to be, to be at every down back. You need him to be a solid contributor you know, in a committee, and I think that once you start getting into RB4, RB5 in this class, that's – that's what you're looking at. I think that there's the the two or three studs at the top, and then it's just a lot of guys are going to have roles as complementary backs. They're never going to be a feature. And I just really love what I saw out of Jamar Jefferson. So who's your next guy? All right, let's go to the tight end position. This dude, this dude is a guy, man. I, I love this guy. Um, how about Tommy Tremble? I've never. Oh. This, this is <laughs> I a love dude. Tommy Tremble. This is a dude that I have loved. Um, first time I saw him. I was uh, at Heinz Field for a Pitt Notre Dame game. I was calling that game and Tremble, and I was just watching. Um, just to happen, Pitt was getting drubbed, but I was just watching. Tremble. Is that this year's game? Up. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was awful. <laughs> um, and it was like forty-five to three. I think they lost. But um, Tremble, I was just looking at him. This dude, this is their this tight end. I thought it was a tackle for a second. I was like, who is that? Is that Banks? Is that Patterson? Is that Eichenberg? Is that Hainsey? Who is it? And it's Tommy Tremble, and he's just throwing dudes in the turf consistently all game. It was hilarious to see him just throw around defensive oh, yeah. lines like it was nothing. And he did it all over his tape. Like, every single game, there were a few plays where you saw Tremble just absolutely turf a man. Like, move him like it's nothing. He might be the best pure blocker in this class uh, as a tight end. That he's It's not just the highlight reel plays. Uh, he does move guys. And he does it technically proficiently. So it's not like, you know, some guys that are out there, they just throw guys into the turf and people get caught up and they're like, ooh, great blocker. But he's actually not a great blocker. And then he translates to the next level and he's not as good as he usually is. Um, think Eric Flowers, for example. Um, but Tremble, Tremble has everything nice, good hands inside. He drives through his lower body. He's got the great, great, great technique. And I think he's got upside as a pass catcher too. Wasn't used a ton there. Um, at Notre Dame, but I think he has the athleticism in space. He's shown pretty solid hands. He's got a good route tree. I think Tommy Tremble has a chance to be a pretty darn good pro, and at that, I think he can be a starting-level tight end. Yeah, absolutely. Tommy Tremble, in terms of – he's not my highest rated, but he is my favorite of the of the true tight ends because Brevin Jordan can't really block. Pat Fryermuth can't really block. Kyle Pitts, more of a wide receiver, if we're being honest. So I think in terms of the best blocking tight end, the closest I would think would be maybe him, Hunter Long, and Kerry Angeline. But he, he has more power than those two guys do. And, I mean, I'm kind of jealous that this year you got some of the best blocking tight ends in the ACC that you got to call – uh, so li- little jealous because I, I love play. I love uh, you know watching tight end film. I played a little bit of it myself. So always, always good to admire some guys that are willing to get you know get uh, some some um, of the good old fashioned opposing paint on their helmet. And Tremble is most certainly one of those guys. I'm going to go to the. Uh, I have him as an interior offensive lineman. He played tackle in college. This is someone that myself, that uh, Devin and our guy Tyler Fornis all love. Um, I still haven't even quite figured out how to say his name, so I'm probably wrong on this one, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, Deontay Smith out of Eastern Carolina. Uh, there were huge size concerns coming into him uh, coming into the season. Was he going to be like 6'3", 6'4", playing tackle at ECU? He was listed on their school site at like 270 pounds playing offensive tackle. Had a fantastic senior bowl, came in at 6'5", uh, 295 with a wingspan of seven feet, which is just insane. I mean, I have freakishly long arms and they're not even that freakishly long by comparison. Um, 
yeah, he gets his hands on you. It is over, whether it's pass blocking, run blocking. He's really, really raw. I think he's going to need to be a year or two as a developmental tackle guard, something he'll develop into you know, a starter. I don't know if he makes it out of the top 100, though. Apparently, from what I've, I've heard, teams absolutely love him. Oh, I should. He has a crazy good build. He moves really well. He's got great control and bounce. I think I think the thing where, where we kind of look at him is the hand usage is super good. He's got this great grip strength. And that length, it's not just, you know, it's not that he is just long. It's just he gets those hands inside. And when he does, mm-hmm. it's done, right? Like, you're completely right. When he gets his hands on you, it's done. But the issue is also it's when other guys get hit the hands, the hands on, on him. You know? Like it's, I don't think he has a, I don't think he has a great natural anchor. Um, I, I, now we saw him have a better anchor in those one-on-ones. Maybe he put on some muscle. I hope he's reworking his body. Cause I think he just needs to work on in, in general, that anchoring that, that ability to take on power rushers. Cause I think mm-hmm. he's got the length, the, the footwork ability, the footwork in the hands to take on those speed rushers, but it doesn't open the gate a ton to the inside, which I also like. I mean, it's past sets and he mixes them up really nicely. Um, but I do think it's those power rushers that can give him trouble because I don't know if he's naturally a sturdy athlete. Yeah. Um, so that's where he's really raw and he'll have to train. And, and again, we're not talking about someone that you're going to necessarily need to draft and start right away. Like, you know, a lot of the problems you see on film with, you know, Deontay Smith, we saw on film with Austin Jackson last year out of USC. The difference is one's not going to be a top 20 pick. And Austin Jackson was someone I liked as a developmental tackle that, you know, needed a year or two to develop. He just didn't get drafted to a system that allowed him that. I think Smith would be able to sit a year or two and learn and get stronger, rework his body. And then in a couple of years, you'll actually be able to use him. Like, I think a team like Detroit could do a lot better with someone like Deontay Smith playing right tackle than, say, Halapuli Vaitai. Because Vitae has been around for five years and is still nothing better than a swing tackle, but he's being paid like a starting caliber tackle. Absolutely. That, that is something that you have to kind of take in consideration. Um, and honestly, I, I mean, you kind of look at, I don't know, Jackson, Titus Howard, I guess you could throw in here as well. I would um, even throw out Andre Dillard. Yeah, I mean, these guys are raw that just got driven up. I'm worried uh, – a guy I'm worried about that for this year is probably James Hudson because we've heard a lot of Oh, him. my God, yeah. Everything I've heard about him, I, I like his tools. Like, I really like his tools, and I would, like, take him round three, round four. But the buzz I'm hearing, man, it's, it's like, top 50. And I, I'm worried I'm – worried His Georgia tape like was awful. His It was. And his SMU tape, though, was very good. Yeah. And then, I mean, you kind of look at, you know, his up-and-down season, and you can see the tools there, and you're like – okay, this guy can be a, a really good tackle. If he sits a year or two, um, maybe if he goes to a team, I don't know, on the fourth round, maybe like the 49ers, right? Like sit behind Trent for a little bit, um, get his footing, and, and maybe slide in there or something. Uh, maybe sit behind a vet for a little bit, develop, and then step in. I'm worried that, you know, some of these guys are just going to have expectations thrown that aren't realistic. And, no. you know, when people say, when people say, you know, Titus Howard bad he's improved actually mm-hmm. so i give credit to the texas coaching staff there one of the only things i'll give credit to the texas for um, <laughs> for um but like there's guys that haven't worked out andre dillard hasn't worked out there um austin jackson was really bad um last year like he started off okay then he like dante was saying he started off okay um and then he yeah. got hurt and he never recovered from it i think guys and also i think when you know a lot of guys when they come into the league as rookies, um, a lot of these edge rushers don't have film on them, um, yeah. at least a ton of it uh, on the NFL level. So they're going to, once you get, I don't know, two, three games in, guys are going to start seeing tendencies, reading what you do, and then they're going to start countering that. And that's all about how you counter that. That's why, like, um, Andrew Thomas, I think, is a good example of this. He struggled early, um, and then they bounced back at the end of the year because mm-hmm. he, he countered what they – countering him he did self-studying um it's not always easy especially if you're hurt like jackson was to to do that for tackles so raw tackles need to go in like round three they don't need to be thrown into the fire immediately i'm, I'm all in favor of throwing a lot of these rookies into the fire but raw tackles are probably one of the only 
uh, positions I would not throw him. Yeah, you cause... you put a raw tackle out there, you're putting you're starting quarterback at risk. Exactly, exactly, and and like honestly, I, I feel these raw tackles, uh, it just kills their confidence, man. Like, yeah, when 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 a raw tackle is nurtured for a year or two, he's he is allowed to grow. You see these guys play a lot better. Uh, and overall, just come in with a chip on their shoulder. You know they're eager to get in there. They're eager to show off their growth. And then you know you just don't you just don't see that. Uh, like with c- c- compare some of these raw tackles that have to start a year like right away. And then even look at the Eagles. Like we talked about Vita. We we talked about Andre Dillard. The best raw tackle on their roster is Jordan Mailata, who they got in like round seven, and it was a former rugby player and outplayed all you know the other two guys this year. Because they were willing to take the extra time with him. So I, I hope that these raw tackles in this year move, move on. That's a bit of a, a sidebar tangent, but something that definitely needs to be talked about more that I don't think a lot of people are mentioning. So who's your next guy? Okay, so I have – I'm a, I'm a former lineman myself, so I have a soft spot for a lot of line. I'll throw out – my guy, uh, he's, in my opinion, the most underrated center in this class that no one's talking about. Oh, Kendrick Green out of Illinois. Um, I just finished this up. I don't know what it was. I don't know if I just got the bad games. I didn't quite see what some are talking about, so I'm going to let you kind of fill me in on what listen, I missed. So this is a class where I know um, I know Quinn Miners and uh, Creed Humphrey tested really well but on tape you know those are those are two guys that i guess don't strike you as elite athletes um Hmm. they have athletic uh, they have athletic traits in certain areas but they're not this great all-around athlete i think kendrick green is that athlete uh he's the perfect zone blocker for a center in this class like he is that athletic dude Uh, and i think green as, as he goes to the second level Fantastic job of framing blocks, of latching on to guys at that second level. Now, I don't think he's this dude that that's got highlight reels of pancakes or, mm-hmm. or anything. He's kind of a guy that lacks the strength, the anchor, uh, the elite, the elite ability there that a Creed Humphrey, a Landon Dickerson, a Quinn Miners, even a Josh Myers uh, has, and he is my center five for that reason. Um, for me, oh, so you actually think- separated guard and center. I did. Okay. Cause yeah, I I, I just do, I just do interior as a whole. Yeah. I mean, some guys can play both, but you know, like I, 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 if I were a team and I I was, I probably am doing it because the Steelers in the center probably, but, but, um, but you know, like if I'm a team, I want to know, okay, he's here. This is his main position. This is where I'm grading him here. Obviously pretty much every guy I mentioned can probably play guard and, and, and green played a lot of guard. Yeah, um, I think so, I, both games I watched of him were at guard, so I'm still exactly. waiting on on one more game from him, anyways. So yeah, so I I, I like his center tape better than his guard tape. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. I think is he's naturally suited for center. Um, I I like his traits there better, and I think he's going to add more value there because I think he's really good above the neck and kind of recognizing these stunts, calling out these formations, calling out whatever he sees, and I think he adds more value there than he does at guard. So. I project him as a center. I like him there. Um, late day three, early day f- – uh, not late day three, late day two, uh, early day three. I know my guy, uh, A.J. Schulte, um, over PFN. We've talked about him a lot. He really wants him to be a Ram because he loves that fit with him. I like that fit too. Any wide zone scheme, any wide zone team that needs a center, I would I would advise them to, to look heavily into uh, Kendrick Green. Yeah, that's someone I have to to go back and, you know, finding some Illinois tape has not been easy this year. There are a couple of squads where it's been impossible to find film. Uh, and, you know, especially with offensive line, trying to find cut-ups or, or trying to find, you know, um, proper all 22 because sideline view, you really don't get a full a full view. And all I could get on, on Kendrick in terms of all 22 was, was guard film. So I need to see him more at center. Nick, you're going to love this next guy. I wish he had played this year. I think he really would have been able to kind of separate himself in a frankly weak position uh, at, at defensive tackle. Uh, little undersized, gigantic pass rush upside. Not the greatest against the run, but it's a passing league. I still love me some Jalen Twyman. I absolutely love Jalen Twyman. Um, 
I think I've kind of soured on the whole class at defensive tackle as the year has gone, as, as the season's gone on. I think starting the year I had him in that kind of like top 30 back when the board was like 50 or 60 players. Now that I'm over like 200, we're looking at someone that's probably going to go round three, maybe round four because he sat the year out. I think you can immediately put him in as a uh, rotational pass rusher in a four-man front, and he might be able to, as a rookie, get you eight sacks. You're not going to need him to play every down. You shouldn't expect him to play every down. He needs to get stronger against the run. But I don't think any of the top guys at defensive tackle provide day one pass rush upside the way that Twyman does. So Twyman is interesting to me. Super hard worker. Um, from everything I know, he he's he works his butt off. Um, I know he's been training really hard this offseason. Um, but he's, his issue is he's not a particularly springy athlete, which, I mean, you don't need to be a super explosive athlete to be, you know, a good three-tech, which is mm-hmm. probably what he feels. He's probably either a three-tech or a five-tech in a three-four. Um, and then you kind of look at what he does, and he's not explosive, and he's, a, he's mainly a power rusher. He has a good club rip. Good shop rip. Um, he's added. I know he's been adding a spin move in his training, which is cool, and a bull rush as well. He's trying to get stronger. Um, the issue is when you're a power rusher and you don't have consistent pad level, I do have concerns about your your ability. Now you could fix pad level. It's not like this is this is a a, a problem you can't yeah. fix. Right? But but it is why I I'm a, I've soured on him a little bit. Um, I thought he really. I was a little bit surprised when he opted out. Um, because I thought he needed to come back to Same. fix that pass rush. Um, I, that fixed that. Um, and he doesn't have elite size, right? So this is already a guy who should be having good path level anyways. So when he does it and he's, he's popping up like that and exposing his chest, he can get washed out a little bit. And I think he might do that against uh, top tackle, top tackles, guards, centers, whoever he's going up against. Uh, so that's my issue with him. But I do like Twyman. and I think he can have an impact at the next level. He's just going to take – I just think he needs a little bit of – of seasoning. Yeah. And, and, and again, like, you know, coming into the year, I thought, well, if, he, if he'd stayed, yeah, he could show that he's maybe like a top 50 player. And I think that even the guy that opted out, that's got better, maybe day one pass rush ability is to out of USC. But, you know, and I think that Levi and was from Washington who also opted out this year is someone that could grow into a better pro, but I think he's incredibly raw and I think a lot of that is because Washington didn't use him properly. I think Twyman, he, you're right. He's far from a perfect prospect, but I think that he really does have the most upside potentially if he's able to fix the the, the flaws he has. This is not a very good defensive tackle class. So. Yeah, no, it's not. It's a pretty bad one overall. It's Barmore and everyone else almost. Um I I'm like to feel like close. Like yeah, I, I, I mean, do have Barmar first. I really like Ali McNeil. He's he's one yep. of the guys I really like. But I'm I'm I know there's been a lot of hype around him. I'm not I don't see it with Davion Nixon. I really don't. I'm not a huge fan of him. Shelvin is whatever. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. There, like, there, there's some things I've heard on on Shelvin that I I can't share on on the podcast because I've heard from people more in the know. But yeah, it, it, it some Shelvin stuff is scary. Darius Stills is just so small. Yeah. I love Darius Stills, but he's just so small. I, I tell you, I, I'm Bobby Brown's a guy I like. He's underrated. I need to watch more of him. He, he reminds me a little bit of Jordan Elliott. Um, I like him a little bit. Um, I do like I, I do like. I'm I'm very intrigued by Marvin Wilson, just because I know his. If you watch his tape this year, was I mean undrafted, but 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 his other tape is like first round. I mean, yeah, I, I was low on him coming into the year, so it kind of I, I did not really like his 2019. I thought he was like a second or a third rounder. I, this year, it's like okay, maybe he's just a third rounder. Like that's just what he is. Yeah, me. like I think Wilson's interesting though because he he played with bad knees. And yeah. He re-injured that knee at the senior goal, so that's a little worrying. I hope that's not a chronic thing with him. Mm-hmm. But if he can, if he can heal up and uh, and escape whatever the heck this knee and these knee injuries are, I'm interested to see if he can gain that juice back and kind of be a steal. He's a he's a guy I would take a chance on on day three for sure, just on upside alone. Yeah, I don't know about you. I have one more guy, so if you have one more, then you I feel do right have for another it. guy. All right, I do have another guy. So listen, I've stayed offense the whole time. Um, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to my defensive guys, and I got it. I got to give a shout out 
to one of my favorite linebackers to come out in a long, long time. Um, Jabril Cox out of LSU. I love this guy. Like, I love this because, uh, well, Devin loves Jabril Cox because of LSU. Dante, who we had on earlier in the week, does not like Jabril Cox. So we, we now get the polar opposite. So why do you love Jabril Cox? So I love Jabril Cox because I think – so I think Dante probably when he he was talking about it probably was bringing up a lot about his run run defense, right? Like Cox yeah. is not a very good run defender. Didn't, didn't think he was a great athlete either. I think he's a phenomenal athlete. Um, uh, I so I love the difference of opinion. So I'm going to just let yeah. you talk. Listen, this is a guy that, that played – both basketball and football. He's a two-sport athlete. Did some track, too. Um, he's fluid. He's definitely very springy. Uh, I think he's phenomenal in coverage. I think he's the oh, best yeah. coverage linebacker in this class, not named Jeremiah Usukoromoa. Um, I just think you, you saw him lock down that. And, and I value his his range, his mobility, his uh, his instincts overall. I think they're very, very good. And, and that coverage guy now, you know, I know he's not great against the run. He does lack – the ability to shed ta- to shed blocks at the second level, his hands kind of go dead. I don't know why they do that. Um, he's definitely gonna have to work on that, and he'll probably. I don't know if he's a day one starter as a result of that because you can't just have him being a, you know, a complete. You can mask him a little bit, yeah. For sure, if you have a really good D line, and, and if that's the case, I mean, for the Steelers, I, I want him for the Steelers. If he's if he's in the Steelers, I think you you can mask him because you have you know you have T.J. Watt and. Cam Hayward and Tyson Alwell and Stephon Tewitt and and uh, and just some, uh, Smith. some ass kickers up front. Yeah, and you just have these guys, so you can mask you know a guy like Cox and just let him shoot the gap and just let him use his explosiveness and speed and and get him down. Um, but I, I do think that Cox brings pretty much everything you want to the modern linebacker position from a coverage standpoint. And that's why I like him because you know what? As far my 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 philosophy towards linebackers are, if you have the athleticism. You have the mobility. You have the coverage ability. It's a good start, and we can work from there. We can fix exactly. everything else. I can't give you that, though. So you have the most important thing down. Now let's round out your game and make you into a potential pro bowl. Yeah, I think that with Cox, I mean, he's one of those where if his floor may not be uh, like the highest or, or, or he's not necessarily a safe pick because we're talking about a couple of years you know, playing at North Dakota State, then a one-year transfer at an LSU defense that was not good. But I do think that if he's in the right system, his coach properly maximizes his potential. I think his ceiling is honestly Levante David. Like I, I love his potential ceiling, but his floor is also pretty low overall as well. Like he might just be a sub linebacker if, if nothing goes. Like if yeah, he doesn't no, his potential, he's a sub linebacker, and that's it. That's that's completely possible. Right? Mm-hmm. But like when you know when you're you're studying line when you're studying prospects, you look at the tools they have, and mm-hmm. you, you see that ceiling and. I know it's a loaded class, but, you know, a lot of these guys in that second, third round range, there's, you know, Baron Browning there. Again, another guy that's super athletic, but he's obviously got a lower floor as well. Yeah. Um, but I, Cam McGrone kind of the same way. Um, but Like McGrone in, in 19, but not in 20. Yeah, he was banged up, but so I'm not going to – I'm not going to hurt McGrone too much for that. Um, but, but, yeah, Cox is – Cox is, is that dude that I'm, I'm taking a chance on because I – obviously – I'm, if I'm if I'm taking the safe guy every time, that means I don't trust my coach to develop no. these guys. So in which case I need a new linebacker coach. Um, I'm taking the chance on Cox. I would take him around too. Same. That's just I, me. I I have him like just below Nick Bolton. Uh, for he's he's linebacker five. I love this linebacker class at the top. Yeah. It's, it's loaded. My last linebacker. guy, I. Did not know who he was until the Senior Bowl, and he lit up the Senior Bowl. Listen, this is a loaded edge class, and I think that you you can never have too many pass rushers. I think teams have really tried to find that you know inside outside type you know edge rusher where they can move them inside, do that kind of New York Giants esque race car um, or NASCAR, whatever they call that that pass rush package, and teams have tried to emulate and overspend to get that Trey Flowers type player. Uh, and I, I, I mention this every time, and I, I like to poke fun at um, at the Lions for doing that, for paying Trey Flowers $18 million to, to be a six-sack-a-year guy, when in round three you can go ahead and you can get yourself a Peyton Turner who can do pretty much the same thing. He's raw. I understand that. He never played a posi- uh, consistent position at Houston. His upside, though, is massive. 
I think that, again, he can come in just as a pass rush specialist early on, be a five or six sack a year guy. And once you actually teach him how to play one position and you just let him pin his ears back, get to the uh, get to the passer, you're getting a bargain at like end of round three or early round four. Like he he's a dude. I love him. Well, listen, um, I know from what I've heard about Peyton Turner, that Turner is a dude that is going to go higher than you think. Um, and I'm totally cool with that. Like, not end of round three. We're talking, from what I know, from what I've heard, this is the guy that could go top six. So, Ooh. I'm talking, like, Colts, Titans, like, and um, Buccaneers, possibly, if Shaq walks, I guess. Um, although, it seems like he's coming back. So, band back together there, I guess, for the Super Bowl champs. But I love Peyton Turner. Um Totally, totally agree with you kind of on everything. He was a guy that took BYU's lunch. Oh, um, yeah. I He made Brady Christensen, who was PFF's highest-rated tackle, and made him look like a chump. It was incredible. Like, it was incredible. Uh, Turner's this dude that, yes, he's versatile. He's a guy that can – he's just so explosive. He's so springy off the snap. a great snap anticipation, so he maximizes his explosiveness. And then he's a guy that plays really good with pad level. He plays with a with a speed rush. He's got a lot of he's got counters. Like he's pretty polished as a as a pass rusher. Like from a plan standpoint, mm-hmm. like I didn't even expect that going into his his tape. Like I, I know he's he's like way up there now, and he's what like six five two seventy. I don't even think it's crazy to think you know if someone asked him to. I know he's he's uh he's probably somewhere he's got probably gonna play somewhere around that 270, 290 mark. I like if a three four team like the Colts draft him, I wouldn't be surprised if they asked him to stand up in a three four. Like he can do it, he can move well in space. So I think this is a guy that can play. You can bulk him up and play him at five tech. You can move him inside three tech. You can play him in a base four three, but you can also just say play at 270, 265. And he's got the flexibility, I think, to bend around that edge and and reduce that surface area a little bit and play as the stand-up 3-4. Like, I don't think that's crazy to ask a Peyton Turner. No. And like I said, like, we, you know, a couple of years ago, we saw a player that's built very similar to him in Trey Flowers get massive money. But I think he's maybe got more upside. I think he can get you potentially a 10-sack season here and there. I don't think it's going to yeah. be a consistent thing. But I do think his floor is someone that, that can get you that. And it's, it's scary. He's, he's really good. He's going to be phenomenal. I, I'm a big fan of of what I've seen from from Peyton Turner all the way throughout the process. I'm really excited yeah. to see what he tests too. Oh yeah. All right. So we kind of teased it a little earlier before we get on out of here. You're a Steelers guy. I'm an Eagles guy. You mentioned a couple of guys like you know Jabril Cox would be you know a great fit for for the Steelers. Who are maybe two other guys that you would really want your team to you know to go after? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So the Steelers. Um. They're interesting because they should they're, – they're, like, in a quasi-rebuild, but not. And they're, like, we don't – what's Big Ben? Is he good anymore? What is Big Ben? I think Big Ben's just, like, Jared Goff now. So, I mean, kind of got to surround him with, like – if you're if planning on going in Super Bowl, right, it's O-line, running back, receiver, whatever. So and you have both guys. offensive tackles hitting for agency, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you're losing – you lost Pouncey – you losing probably filling away of Unfiler. You might lose one of Hilton and Sutton. You're losing Dupree. You're losing probably Juju. You're losing Connor. You're like, oh, you're definitely losing Juju. Like that, you're definitely he's gonna go to New York. I think. He, he, I think Juju's gone too. The Steelers just draft, and then the Steelers will draft some dude in the fourth round. Like, oh, here comes another next Steelers stud. <laughs> and and I, I actually I actually think that when I look at the Steelers and I I ask who is the perfect fit for them as a wide receiver. And I can't get it out of my head. Elijah Moore, like he plays. Yeah. He reminds me of Doug Baldwin. That's who, that's who I, I, when I watched him, he got, he had Doug Baldwin in him. And I've seen a lot of people say um, for the Steelers, you know, he kind of looks a little bit like Manny Sanders a little bit. Um, He's got some, there's some AB-esque qualities. He's not AB, but he's got some qualities there. Um, And, and you know, he's, more electric than I thought he would be after the catch. One of the best pure route runners in the class. He's super tough over the catch, over the middle. He just doesn't drop anything from the slot. I love that from Elijah Moore. 
Um, and, and I mean, listen, can he, I'm, my biggest question is, I know he's 5'9". Can he play outside? Because I think there's traits there that he could maybe play outside a little bit. And he's maybe not just a pure slot. But regardless, I think in that Matt Canada scheme, I love what Elijah Moore could bring to it as also getting some jet sweeps, getting him into space. I just love what he could do there, you know, with Claypool and, and Washington and Deontay and Ebron. Um, I really like that fit. Um, and, and then let's let's go to personally. I don't want a running back that early because it's a running back. <laughs> Sorry, running backs don't matter. Is it's not they do matter, but like not they matter, but they don't. Like not they matter to an extent. My worry, my worry has always been when people are calling for like Najee and Etienne uh, early. Is it's always been well, the Steelers are going to enter a rebuild period. So by the time we're competitive again. ETN and Najee are going to be in the last year of their deal and pretty much wasted. And you know what I mean? Like it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've always gone towards the later half of the draft. And the one guy I cannot shake um, other than Cleo Herbert, obviously I love Cleo Herbert um, is Jared Patterson. I just think he, he kind of fits. I love Jared Patterson. I, I I'm irrationally high on him. I have him top 100. Uh, I <laughs> I'll blame you for it. Like Jared Patterson is so solid. Like he's a versatile runner who can run in between the tackles for that size. Uh, he runs super well behind his pads. He's super physical. Um, this is a guy that is nimble. He's got elite lateral agility, fantastic processing. He sets the guys at the second level at a high level. I, I think he's got great contact balance. Like Jared Patterson didn't just get his record breaking performances because of nothing. He was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Now the question is how good is his all around game? I don't think he showed off a ton in the receiving game or as a, I think as a pass protector, they actually used him more as a locker than I thought they would. So I think he might have uh, more potential there than people might think going into his film. Um, but I like Jared Patterson, man. I think he's got a potential to be a pretty damn good back in the NFL. And, and the Steelers are another team where kind of like with, with wide receivers, they're always just able to find serviceable running backs for like Willie Parker coming out of nowhere for years. Mm-hmm. I'm really on a mid two thousands running back, you know, uh, kick. <laughs> Uh, I was watching Tatum Bell highlights not too long ago. Like, <laughs> watch, uh, watch some, watch some Rudy Johnson highlights. <laughs> I, I, you know what? It's funny you mentioned Rudy Johnson was one of the first ones I watched too. So, Bengals. Yep. Uh, did you watch Jamal Lewis the, from? I'm just thinking here. Uh, Jamal, Jamal, Jamal Lewis. Lewis uh, any any running back that played for the Broncos in like the mid 2000s that were able to put up a thousand yards. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back and watched uh, some, you know, you have some glory days of like Steve Slayton uh from his days at west virginia um oh yeah like i went like if you were back when we would have thirty thousand yard yeah rushers every year and now we have like eight and it's always kind of funny they just (laughs) or like you know michael turner being given a four-year deal at age 28 (laughs) michael turner was so good he was so so good uh but yeah some of the some of the guys from my eagles like listen our two teams you're just starting a rebuild my Eagles have no idea what they are. Um, you know, 30 million over the cap, just traded Carson Wentz, can't really afford to part with more draft picks to go up and get a quarterback this year. Listen, just suck next year and then get like a Spencer Rattler or any of the top quarterbacks. I, I actually think that 2022 is going to be a good quarterback class as well. I'm interested in just getting as many good players for on the cheap as you can. So I look at the wide receiver class and last year the Eagles drafted three, but all of them were kind of guys with questionable-ish hands and, you know, really good speed. Like Quez Watkins and Tim Hightower were almost carbon copies of, uh, of uh, Jalen Rager, but just not as good. So you got three guys that can't really catch all that well. I need a guy that can go up, get the ball. I would love he's not gonna make it to the to the second round with the Eagles, but someone like Terrace Marshall would be fantastic for Philly. Sure-handed could go up, get the jump ball. Eagles wide receivers right now are all small and fast. None of them are all that physical. None of them are really great at high pointing. Even a Seth Williams would do something like that for us in the later rounds. Like Philly just needs talent. Um, I think the offensive line we saw last year, what a terrible offensive line looks like or terrible offensive line depth. 
I didn't know what a uh, Nate Herbig was, but it started like five games for us <laughs> at guard. Uh, so I looked to the guys in the interior. I just want guys that can kick ass and someone like Aaron Banks would make a ton of sense in terms of just, you know, powerful guards. Don't, I don't even care about scheme fit. I just need guys that, that, that are willing to go out and just kick some ass because God the Eagles offensive line last year was terrible. If he falls, um, Tevin Jenkins. Yep. I don't think he's going to make it to, to Philly in the second round, though. I don't either, but, you know, that would be – I, I, I think Tevin Jenkins is good, is probably a, a target for your Steelers in round one. Yeah. No, I think he plays like is. a Steeler, so you can yeah, almost see him he's in that jersey. A lot of Steelers, uh, Steelers, if you would, in his draft class. Um, yeah. Uh, even Robert Jones out of, like, mid-Tennessee State, tackle, guard, yeah. go out there, physical um, – David Moore from Grambling. Uh, I haven't gotten him. to him, so that there's. But every time I think of Robert Jones, I think of him sending Shaka Tony into orbit during that spin move. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. That was one of the best things I saw because I was studying that, like the the offensive line. I'm just like, yep, yeah, I'm just gonna retweet that as many times as I can. Uh, hell, I would love if like he falls due to you know due, due to medicals or something. Uh, like Trey Smith. Like Trey Smith would be a great pick for the Eagles. They they've taken way too many projecty players recently and gotten a little cute since winning that Super Bowl. I don't know whether that's just like, you know, a bit of arrogance, but then you, you look at it and guys like how he's been doing this for years. They took a 26 year old Canadian firefighter in round one. Anyone remember Danny Watkins? <laughs> oh, oh, why did I do that to myself? Why did I bring him up? I did this to myself. I do this every podcast too. It's, Howie it's, Roseman, man. Howie Roseman. <sighs> I, here's the thing. I would love, I, I know linebacker is not a, a position of value, but like, hell you get a Micah Parsons in the building. He's better than any linebacker they got on, on roster now, but that's because how he doesn't value linebackers. I want to, yeah, I want to, I want to ask you something. Go for it. So Ben Albright threw out a report today because it's Trey Lance's pro day. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not making it to eight is what mm-hmm. he said. And he's probably going to go to the Falcons is what it sounds like. Yeah. Or he'll be, or someone will trade up to three for him. That got me thinking who could trade up. Um, Lions, what would you do if the Eagles were that team? I wouldn't be happy, man. Here's, and, and, and I'll tell you why. And, and I'll follow up with this, this. Would you be happy if they stuck at six and got fields? I don't want to draft a quarterback this year. Because I, 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 I keep looking at the Eagles nice. And my, my first reaction is, I would draft Justin Fields because I don't. I think mean, Taylor, don't get I don't me think wrong. Is the answer. I would love. He's not the answer. You're absolutely right. He's not the answer. And yes, it sucks that you know. Here's the thing: we're in a year where, for the first time since 1999, since so before you were born, uh, quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three. We may even, for the first time in NFL history, have one, two, three, four all be quarterbacks because there's that many teams in desperate need of a quarterback for for multiple reasons. If you're not able to get the top two in a draft, like the top two quarterbacks in a draft, and you're picking in the top five, I'm staying clear. You're not getting realistically your first or possibly your second choice. Well, obviously the question would be, I mean, if they would take fields, maybe they have fields as QB two, in Mm -hmm. which case you would, would you advocate for them? They have him raised QB two. Obviously he would be QB four off the the NFL board, but Mm -hmm. if Sirianni and, and Roseman go there and they say, Justin Fields is our QB two and would be our QB one in any other draft because Trevor Lawrence, do they, would you take him? Personally? No. And don't get me wrong. I love Justin Fields and, and and he's my QB two as well, but I would love instead, this team's not going to be competitive next year. They're in no position to be competitive next year or the year after. If one of them fell to six, I guess, but realistically, you'd have to trade up. And this team is in no position to try to trade up. Yeah. Because they're going to be bad next year. And then whoever, you know, if we end up with a top five pick, we don't, we end up with the Texans. We, we don't have a first round pick and we're going to be bad. So I would rather suck for next year. Listen, Jalen Hurts, I know we only had like six games. Some people are willing to say that's enough. Some people aren't. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. And if worst case scenario, it goes exactly the way we all think it might. And they end up finishing two and 14, three and 13. That's pick number one, two. Then that's Spencer Rattler. That's uh, Keaton Slovis, uh, uh, Phil Dracovich, any, any of those guys, whoever ends up being uh, Sam Howell. Like I think next year we could be talking about another five quarterbacks in the first round as well. Yeah, and we'll if you're at one or two, 
then you have way more flexibility and way more, you know, uh, way more options. So this year I would go for a Jamar chase and build up the receiving core and then build up an offensive line because whichever quarterback you're bringing in, they're not going to have an offensive line in front of them. That's true. I mean, that is a good point, but you know, question I've always asked is, well, quarterbacks fix a lot. They don't fix on a line. Obviously they don't, but Mm -hmm. at the very least, if you have the quarterback, you know, you have the ability to compete. And that's kind of my Deshaun Watson model. People are asking, you know, people ask me, what would I give up for Deshaun Watson to be a Steeler? Would you give up TJ Watt for Deshaun Watson? Plus draft capital. My answer is absolutely. Um, Just because he's – obviously it's different because we know Deshaun Watson's a top five quarterback. Yeah. uh, Elite. Um, But, you know, if there's a potential you can get a guy like a Justin Fields and you think he is that franchise quarterback, I think you do it, man. Like, I just – I know the Eagles have so many needs. I know they do. Their cap is screwed because they structured their contracts like awfully. Thanks, awfully. Howie. <laughs> like that Alshon Jeffrey contract is was awful. Awful. That awful. Wentz contract was awful because he couldn't stay healthy. Everything. It just their, their entire contract structure. The Malik Jackson deal, the, the Hargrave deal. Oh, I, I did a full article on this and it was it's awful. I'm, yeah, all of it. All and, of it was bad. And like the Eagles have a lot of issues, but if they can bring some stability and they can at least say we have Justin Fields and he's our quarterback of the future, maybe, you know, you'll circle it. it, It'll have to be through good drafting. You'll have, you'll probably have, you know, a few third rounders, second rounders, maybe, maybe a second rounder next year. You'll probably weed out your your first round, which is obviously going to be an impediment if you have to trade up for him. But uh, I think you just got to do it because, by the time Fields is is there at year three and you have your capital and, you know, the cap is – at that point, your cap is is a clean slate because you do have more cap space. By the time 2023 comes around, you can sign some guys. You can do a lot of moves to surround Fields with the team he truly deserves. And Fields maybe has this this growth pattern and you see he's the guy. I think you got to do it. I don't know. It's just my, it's just me. Quarterback yeah. position is so important that if I, if I have six, cause what if hurts, what if hurts turns out to be, I don't know, not awful, but not great. And he's not the answer. And he, but he's still decent enough to manage games and somehow lift the squad up. to I don't know, six and 10 and you get like the ninth or 10th pick. And that's kind of my thought process. And then you, and then you're trading up anyways, cause you need a quarterback. Yeah. But that, you know that sets it back answer. so that, it's now 2023 where, or, you know, where we wouldn't have a first, which is yeah, a lot I better. Mean, I mean, that, you're that you're, be you're better, further. Though. Yeah. That could be better for you guys though. Cause by 2023, you would expect you would have the money mm. available to sign free agents. Right. So yeah, you would. Um, so at that point, and then you would hope guys like Rager would come around and, and whoever your first round pick this year would come around uh, and whatever you would hope that would come around. Um, and that's why, I mean, I could feel you on this because I'm a Steelers fan right now, and and I always feel like we're never going to be bad enough because they just draft too good. Like mm-hmm. they do, the Steelers always draft super well. So even as the team is crumbling apart right now, you can you're looking at the defense. You're like, well, they're going to be really good next year. And then you're looking, well, Ben's not great, but that offense, if they're probably going to hit on the offensive line, and there's going to be good rookies, and all of a sudden the Steelers are eight and eight again out of the playoffs, but they're picking 18th and they're out of the quarterback competition. And that's always my worry. Mm-hmm. So my worry is, so my worry for the Eagles is maybe Hurts gets you stuck into a cycle of mediocrity and you can't get out of it. I don't think the Eagles roster is good enough to be mediocre next year. I think that there's so much, like they were already bad and a lot of that is due to injury, but now they've had to shed so much. Wentz is gone. Ertz is going to be gone. Lane Johnson might be gone because he's incredibly expensive. Um, And then like, there's so much, so much overpaid guys that are, that are starting to hit that decline soon. Yeah. Listen, that is true. But I mean, we've seen, we've seen coaches like Brian Flores turn a, horrific Miami Dolphins team into a team that went six to 10. Yes. They had the fifth overall pick. They were lucky. That was a year where a lot of teams decided to clump around seven, nine, eight, and eight, nine, seven. So the six and 10 Dolphins got pushed up to the fifth overall. And they luckily had two of fall right into their arms, but, and the Chargers got even more luckier. Somehow they got Justin Herbert to fall right into their laps. Um, But also 
Also, and it's just because you mentioned 2022, you look at the top of this year's class, like we kind of know quarterbacks four in the top eight at the absolute worst. Look at next year's class. We have edge rushers. We have, uh, you know, uh, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau. I think there's a kid from Purdue that a lot of people like. There's Derek Stingley. There's like an incredibly deep corner class coming up. Safeties are good. You're going to have those defensive guys that are going to kind of space out those those quarterbacks. So they may fall a bit more. Yeah, it's true. So, I mean, I don't know. It's it's a lot to, to take in. And I think it's differing philosophies because mm-hmm. you need to there's only about 10, 12 quarterbacks that I could truly call franchise quarterbacks, yeah. which is always a fun exercise uh, to name them all. People will dispute some of them. And I got into this argument with AJ the other day um, in the DMs. I didn't have Baker listed as one, but I had Lamar listed as one. He flipped them, um, which was interesting. Uh, but it's fun. It's fun. I think all four of the guys that we're talking about right now, Fields, Lawrence, Wilson, and Lance, all have that quarterback potential. Although I will pray for you. Hopefully, if they don't decide to make take one first round, they don't take one at all. Yeah, I will hopefully that. Hopefully <laughs> it's they don't, it's like, a bad drop off. Hopefully, hopefully they don't like go in the third round. They're like, ooh la la, Kyle Trask. <laughs> if that happens, I okay. So I, we are still. I, I think it's hilarious. I, we are still recording this. Um, I joked last year on Twitter for weeks that I was just done with the Eagles, with the Eagles of taking applications for a new team. They draft Kyle Trask. You go, Ooh, look, we got a second rounder in, in, in Hertz competing with a third rounder in Trask. I think I might actually be done. But <laughs> I think that that's the perfect place to end this episode. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I do too. All right, guys. <laughs> Uh, that's going to do it for today. As always, you can find me on Twitter, Mike H underscore draft, follow Devin on Twitter. Hopefully he's able to come back soon at real D underscore Jackson. Follow the show on Twitter at big shots pod. Nick, do you want to plug your Twitter? Cause I can't remember it offhand right now. Yeah. Um, follow me at Fairba FB, uh, F-A-R-A-B-A-U-G-H-F-B. It's like Harbaugh, but just with an F and there's another A thrown in there. Exactly. So it's actually exactly. really simple when you think about it. And until next time, guys, take it easy.